has a cell phone? A cell phone? Turn them off. Turn them off. Even if you're using it for the Bible, turn it off. All right. The scriptures are going to be on the screen. Uh, I really felt impressed of the Father to be careful of distractions this morning. The focus is going to be more on ministry than the word, so any electronics, I want it off. Uh, if you have to finish a conversation, finish it now. Okay, good. All right, so that settles a whole lot of things right there. This is what the Lord said. Uh, he wants us to focus on the word because we all have this in common. We all have fathers. We all have fathers, right? Father, Abba, Abba, right? Papa, who's a papa? Any papas? Yeah, okay. Dad, dad, yeah. Daddy, I'm a daddy sometimes, right? Pops, I'm a pop sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> One of my favorites, Daddy-O. <laughs> According to my daughter Sarah, Daddy O, right? And any other, any any other ones that I missed? Any titles, dad titles that you use with your with your dad or your kids use with you? Some pet names, no. Something to describe your father. Think of a word to describe your father. Only good ones. Seriously, seriously, I don't say that lightly because I know we have not all had the best experiences when it comes to dad. And some have had no experience at all and so the term can seem uh, rather empty and hollow. Um, but nonetheless, the terminology is important from a scriptural viewpoint. As a matter of fact, in the first chapter of the Gospel of Matthew alone, the word father is used 39 times. But then again, it's a genealogy, right? <laughs> but that's exactly the point. Father is part of where we come from. I am a combination of my father and my mother, both the good and the bad of them. But I do not have to be the byproduct of them. Sometimes we get trapped. You're just like your father. It's usually not a good thing when you hear that, right? <laughs> you sound just like your mother right now. I hope you know that. Right? Right? So we don't have to be the byproduct of our parents. In other words, and this is especially true within the framework of our salvation experience in Jesus Christ, because he has reconciled us to the Father. We can reconcile our hearts to our fathers and walk in the destiny and purposes that God has for our lives. Father is so important, so significant to the gospel message of reconciliation 
that the very last verse spoken in the Old Testament as we're transitioning into the New is about fathers. I want to read to you the whole short fourth chapter of Malachi so that you get the full impact, but also to compel us on in our understanding of the Father's heart, the Father's heart or fatherhood. Malachi chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. For behold, the day is coming. That's still a true statement. It's still coming, okay? Burning like an oven, when all of the arrogant and all of the evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave neither leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out like leap, out leaping like calves from the stall, and you shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. Remember, the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and the rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all of Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. So before the day that's coming, God is going to do something else, something first something that's going to diminish the potential impact on the earth, okay? This is what he's going to do, Elijah. He will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Utter destruction. So what's the tipping point? It's relational. It's relational. Do you, do you think it's accidental, the condition of families in our, in our time, the homes that are fatherless, the single mom homes, the children that don't know dad, Knew him for a while, but he's gone. Maybe they know him once a week or once a month or Christmas and Easter, right? That's a good Catholic thing to do, Christmas and Easter. I don't think it's accidental at all. I think it's a plan of the enemy because he wants utter destruction and he knows if he can keep the heart of the father far from the heart of the children and the heart of the children in opposition to their fathers, it's not going to be a good day. So the first point I want to consider is this. He says, remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and the rules that I commanded him. Now I know we're not under the law, we're under grace and, and all of that. But some things that are law are also principles. In other words, like gravity, all right? Go up, we've got a flat roof on the front, 
and there's a door from my office. You can go out on that flat roof, and if you walk all the way to the end and step off the roof, you're going to meet the parking lot very quickly. Okay? Now, that is the law of gravity. Uh, whether you can tell me how or why gravity works will not change the fact that you're going to hit the cement. Right? And so some things that the Bible calls law are really principles. They work whether you get it or not. You violate that wall, you're hitting the ground. Right? You step off that roof, bang. Right? It's the same thing with these. So this is a reference to what we call the Ten Commandments, and in context of the prophecy, it is specifically the Fourth Commandment. And it reads this way in Deuteronomy 5.16, Honor your father and your mother. Okay, what are the parameters around that? If they give you what you want, if they treat you the way you think you ought to be treated, if they never screw up, if they never fall short of your expectations, if they're alcoholic, if they're drug addicts, if they're abusive. Is any of that in there? Why? As the Lord your God commanded you that your days may be long and that it may go well with you with you, it's not about them at all. It's about you. See, honor your father and your mother because it'll benefit you. If you do this, you get the goods. If you don't do it, you don't get the blessings. You end up internalizing the, the, the angst that you have and it begins to be a fruit in your life, not theirs. You can't punish them by your internal belief system. It's self-abusive to not own, honor your father and your mother. Okay? That it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. This commandment is important enough that Jesus referenced it several times in his gospel teaching and specifically remembered Moses in Mark 7.10. For Moses said, this is Jesus speaking, for Moses said, honor your father and your mother. Then later in early church history, the apostle Paul is addressing the church at Ephesus. Oh, well, wait a minute, they're not Jews. So what has happened? It's a carryover. All right? now, now, listen, Paul argued with the Judaizers in Jerusalem about making the Gentiles keep the law. They don't have to keep the Sabbath day. They don't have to worry about not eating pork. Right? They, don't have to be, they don't have to get circumcised. They don't have to do this. They don't have to do this. But they've got to do this one. He's addressing the church at Ephesus and validates the commandment once again, only this time with its intended emphasis. Ephesians 6, 2, and 3. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. So what's he saying? 
you keep the commandment, you get the promise. You don't keep the commandment, right? You don't get punished. God doesn't do this to you. You just don't get the promise. You just don't get the blessing. It won't go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving to you. You get deprived of his best because you stepped off the roof and gravity took over. And now you've got two broken legs and you're hobbling around with all of this stuff inside. So my question is this. Is it going well with you? Think about it. Is it going well with you? So I've come to understand because I've, I've dealt with this principle in my own life uh, and helped other people work through this in, in counseling situations and theophostic inner healing ministries a lot, a lot. And we don't get a land. He's not leading us into the promised land. He's leading us into his promises. His promises. That's big. That's big. That's kingdom. It's your hopes. It's your dreams. It's your vision. Right? It's what you want to accomplish in the Lord. It's, oh, man, I never knew it could be like this. I see so-and-so doing this, and I can't seem to get there. What's stalling me out? God, why won't you let me? God, how come this and how come that? It's not going well for me there. Have you considered your relationship with your father and your mother? How might that relate, it not going well with you in some area of your life? How might that relate to honoring or dishonoring your father or your mother? Is there a breach in your relationship with either of your parents? Consider it. Take a moment. Think about it. Think about your parents. How do you feel inside? You know, my poor mom. <laughs> you know, we took her in. Uh, out of that nursing home, there, it was so terrible down there in Massachusetts. We decided to take her in. And little did I know that in my heart was this Pandora's box. <laughs> now, when she became part, full-time, part of my life, that little box opened up, and I had to deal with a whole bunch of parent stuff. A whole bunch. And this is like... 36 years into Christ, and this little box opens, and I'm thinking, oh, man. <laughs> Dick, you are a mess. You are a mess. Right? You got to do this stuff. Don't just think because you're in church Sunday, you're in a grow group, you read the Bible, you know, you do this stuff, you're, you're fasting and you're praying. But are you examining your own heart? 
Doesn't the scripture say, if you judge yourself, you will not be judged? This is one of those areas where you can look deep and say, oh my goodness, I didn't realize how bad I felt about it. I got I to gotta tell you, this, this works with step-parents too. When they're head of your house. I had a stepdad. He had massive, he was a meat cutter. He had the biggest hands I ever saw, and I probably felt that way because they're often on my body. <laughs> and uh, I never had any good memories of him as an adult. I thought he was mean. I thought he was abusive. Um, you know, he loved my mother to the end of the earth, but he could have cared less for us. Um, until I did this. And I found a place where I judged this man. I judged him. And I cursed him. And I repented of that. And, and I went to my pastor and I asked him to pray for me and to, to minister forgiveness into my heart. And it was amazing. Immediately, I started to get these memories of good times I had with this man that I could not see because of my own anger and hatred towards him kept me blinded to the goodness that he had in him. Is there a breach in your relationship with either of your parents, an old anger or some unforgiveness in place that has left a bad taste in your soul towards your mom or your dad? Do you hold an opinion of them based on some past behavior toward you that has eroded your trust in their parenting worth or value. You know what that does? It makes you judge them, right? And you call yourself a father. <laughs> right. So you can tell I've been there, right? <laughs> My dad was an alcoholic. My biological dad. And I can assure you that left scars on me. It caused me to judge not only his behavior, but also his personhood and guaranteed that certain areas of my life were destined to fail. I sowed seeds of dishonor and judgment and reaped a seven-year harvest of heroin addiction and incarceration where all that I accused him of, I became and worse. And this is where the second point from Malachi's prophecy comes into play. This is what the Lord says. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall rise with healing, with healing in its wings. Here's the turning point. The place where all judgment as regards our sinful nature and our propensities to respond in ways that are contrary to God's statutes and rules and counter God's mercy and grace. The place that affords us the opportunity to end the cycles of despair, to find freedom from inner turmoil and pain and to be set free from the captivity and bondage of our souls from the consequences of our own actions. It is interesting that several versions of the Bible translate this verse to convey 
the son of righteousness as a person rather than an object. The son of righteousness shall rise with healing in his wings. His wings. I believe the prophet is looking forward to the redemptive work of Jesus Christ who bore all our sins on the cross, taking the curse of the law, the loss of the promise, It's like you step off the roof and all of a sudden these big hands reach out and catch you. I remember preaching at a a church in Amman, Jordan one Sunday morning and uh, at the end of the service a man approached me and he said, I would like you to come to my home and have tea. And so my host at the church said that was a coded invitation This man is a Muslim. He wants to hear the gospel. So we agreed to go over at 2 o'clock in the afternoon to have tea with this man. When we got there, his whole extended family, how many people were there? Probably 40 people jammed into his apartment. He invited his whole family, right? So he sits down and he says, "Um, I perceive you're a man of God. And I had a dream when I was a little boy, maybe five or six years old. He says, I was just falling through space, heading, hurtling towards the earth, and I knew I was going to die. And suddenly, this giant hand reached out and caught me and had a big hole in it, like a nail hole. Can you tell me what that means? You see, it's grace and mercy in Jesus Christ. It's the work of the cross that breaks the barriers and reaches beyond the things that we activate, the things that we put in motion, and he makes a catch. And he takes the curse out of the way. The curse falls through the nail hole and goes on hurtling on its way. And he secures you in his own grace and mercy. And the curse passes on. Paul talks about it in Colossians, that he took the curse of the law and nailed it to the tree, taking it out of our way. Whatever you're suffering in now, you don't have to suffer by the time you exit these doors today. Because his grace and his mercy guarantee that. If you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. That isn't just a salvation call. It's a call to everything that's trying to drag you down. He's a continual saving Savior. He's always breaking through the barriers, always reaching into the deep places, always extending himself out to catch us, to save us. you know him today? Do you know him as Lord and Savior? Do you know him as your rescuer? Do you know him as healer? Do you know him as the one who raises from the dead? And listen, you can be walking around looking pretty alive and be dead inside. It's a valid resurrection. 
to be brought back to fullness of life in Christ. He said, I've come that you might have life, and he doesn't stop there, and life more abundant. If all you're doing is breathing and living and getting up in the morning and putting one foot in front of the other and getting through another day, that is not abundant life. He has more for you today. If you're held and restrained by chains of unforgiveness and hatred, especially as regards your parents, today is a day of liberty and freedom for you. The father told me to tell you this. I didn't plan this. He said, this is what I want them to hear because you all have this in common. You all have a father. And the ones down here don't always do a great job, but he never fails. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. How's he going to do that? How in the world can he accomplish that? I know some of the stuff that goes on. The abuse, the horrendous, unthinkable things that go on that parents do to children, that grandparents do to children. It was done to me. My grandmother molested me repeatedly as a little boy. You know, my father's mother. You know, I can tell you I love that woman. I didn't. But a hand came out and rescued me. And the hatred fell through the hole. I can tell you that I love this woman. She was my grandmother. I don't know who did that other stuff to me, but it wasn't her. It was her brokenness. And I get that. But we all got brokenness. You know, I don't want to put my girls on the spot, but I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> right? I didn't do it all, right? Right? I don't think they think that. We all make mistakes. We all carry stuff. We have our own interpretations of what that meant, why they're doing that. And bitterness settles in, hurt settles in, loss settles in, and takes root and begins to flourish in our hearts, and it grows seed of its own. And I guarantee you this, whatever you harbor, whatever you bring into your own parenting, you'll give to your children in some way, shape, or form. It gets passed on unless he does this thing that Ezekiel says. And this is what it takes. Ezekiel 36, 26, it's the Lord speaking. I will give you a new heart. I will give you a new heart. Step one, a new heart. Right? I'll take away the heart of stone. How does our heart get stony? It gets stony through judgment and 
and hurt and anger and pain and unforgiveness. And we harden ourselves so we don't get hurt anymore. And as we harden ourselves, our heart hardens up. Our souls harden up. Our spirit, you know what our spirit? Our spirit goes to sleep. Look up slumbering spirit in the scriptures. That's how our spirit responds. So we end up living out of the flesh and the soul. It's all out of our own need and our own emotions. And the spirit has no voice because we have hardened hearts. So God comes along and he says, I will give you a new heart. Step one. And a new spirit I will put within you. Now that sounds good, right? And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put, now here's the new spirit. I will put my spirit within you. My spirit. God is what? What else is God? What else is God? He's all those things, right? I will put my spirit. So you've got this hardened, stony heart of anger and hurt and unforgiveness and pain, and he removes it, and your spirit's sound asleep, and he puts in a heart of flesh, and his spirit, his spirit, of truth and love and goodness and life. You know what his spirit is called? Zoe. Z-O-E. Zoe. It's, the sound is like this. It's life going into the body of Adam when he was nothing but a pile of dirt when he was hard clay on baked ground and the Spirit of God breathed into him and he became a living soul. A new heart, a new spirit. I will put my spirit, my Zoe, my life-regenerating breath in you so that you can live again. Free of the pain, free of the anger, free of the unforgiveness free of the bitterness. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. So what's he talking about? Let's reflect back to where we were. The fourth commandment. It's relevant for today. He's not going to ask you to stop eating bacon He's full of mercy. I told you, he's got mercy. The bacon stays, right? (laughs) But he is going to ask you to honor your father and your mother because he wants you to live abundantly. He wants you to prosper in the promises that he has for your life. I will cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. In other words, he's going to do it in you so you don't have to try to do it all by yourself. You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God. 
I'm going to ask us to do something corporately today because I don't know how people feel about altar calls as of late. I'm going to ask you all to stand. And I'm going to pray a salvation prayer. Now, I don't care if you have prayed this prayer a thousand times. I'd like you to keep it in context, what we've been talking about. I'm going to ask you to ask Jesus to come as your Lord and Savior, to save you as regards the commandment of the Lord, this fourth commandment, in areas where you may have dishonored your father and your mother and are reaping fruit that you need out of your life. So, Lord Jesus, I invite you to come today as my Lord, as my Savior, and to once again save me from the consequences of my poor decisions, of my sinful behavior, of violating your commandments. I ask you to restore me to fullness of life in any areas where I've dishonored my parents. Forgive me. Give me a new heart and breathe into me today your Holy Spirit. I'm just going to ask you to wait. And if you feel so inclined, just breathe in and trust that the Holy Spirit is going to begin to do a work. Come, Holy Spirit. Come. Search our hearts, O God. See if any of this be true in me, in us. Forgive us and heal us today. Lord, I ask you to give us memories in our own minds of times where we have dishonored our parents, words we've spoken, actions we've taken to hurt them, to judge them, to dishonor them. Now, if the Lord has shown you something, or if you're aware of an area where you have dishonored your parents, I just want you to quietly ask the Lord Jesus to forgive you of that specific thing. You don't have to do it out loud or or openly, just internally. Lord Jesus, please forgive me. Right now, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I speak a word of forgiveness over each and every one of you who have prayed that prayer. Be released, be forgiven, in Jesus' name. Now, I want you to do one more thing for me. 
if that was your mom or your dad that you just prayed a prayer of forgiveness for, I want you to bless them. I want you to pray a prayer of blessing towards them, whether they're just a memory or if they're still in existence, if they're still living today. If, they're, if they've already passed on, I want you to pray that blessing into the memory that the Lord just brought to your mind and bless them. Bless and do not curse, the Bible says. Bless them right now. And again, you can do that internally. Having given ourselves over to Jesus as Lord in our lives, we now invite the Holy Spirit to come and do the work of transformation through reconciliation. That is reconciling us to God, to one another, and to the world around us by his wondrous grace, his loving kindness, and his never-ending mercy. So we invite you to come, Holy Spirit, on this Father's Day, and fill us with yourself that we might become new in Christ and reconcile our hearts especially to Father and all that that might have meant to us in the past. Come and heal us, restore us, fill us, and enable us to love as you love us. Just wait on the spirit for a moment or two. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Now, if God has done something with you this morning, I want you to just out loud just begin to thank him. And bless his name. You know, let all things be done with thankfulness in your heart, giving praise unto the Lord, for he is good and his mercy endures forever. So I do, I thank you, O oh God, for what you've done in each heart here today, because we all have fathers. But in the end of the day, O oh God, we pray, as Jesus prayed, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are debted to us. And deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen and amen. If you need prayer, if you'd like some personal ministry, uh, there'll be some people up here. Otherwise, go get your kids if you got them upstairs. Have an awesome Father's Day. Remember, your Father in heaven loves you dearly. Go in peace and be blessed.